Hello, you're listening to the Solid Word Bible Church podcast. Whether you're at work, driving in your car, or getting your workout on, we hope and pray that what you hear today will fill your spirit. Come, join us as we walk through God's Word together. Remember when I said that it's all grace and that and that God in dealing with us, our lives may look different. We may go through different things, but as the people of God, as the children of God, is still all grace. He deals with us in that way. Well, as we start off chapter 49, I want you to keep that in mind. As Jacob blesses his sons, and now we see that in the previous chapter, he included the blessing on Joseph's two sons as if they were his, and you see them mentioned throughout the history of Israel. When the sons are mentioned, you hear Ephraim and Manasseh mentioned because Jacob was going to treat them as Joseph, but he still blesses Joseph. But at the beginning of chapter 49, I want to read that. Then Jacob, verse 1, called his sons and said, Gather yourselves together that I may tell you what shall happen to you in days to come. Assemble and listen, O sons of Jacob. Listen to Israel, your father. Remember when I talked about that, that you would have, when you see the names separated and mentioned, Jacob in Israel. Jacob is that, is that reflection of and is that symbolism of, of a man in his frailty, in his sin, in need of God, and God coming, recognizing that frailty. When you see Israel mentioned, it is Jacob, that leader, the one that God has worked on and has worked in his life, and that God is the one fueling this leadership. He mentions both names. He says, oh, sons of Jacob. He was saying, I wasn't perfect in how I've lived nor raised you, and, but you still are my sons. But listen to Israel, the one who has changed me and has given me leadership and be able to tell you what's going to happen. <clears throat> I'm not going to go through all of them, but here's what I want you to see. We're going to look at four different areas. The blessing of Jacob because this is about Joseph, a life well lived, the blessing actually of Pharaoh and the world, because we're going to see the blessing that he gave as a result of who Jacob was, the blessings, remember, of a life well lived, blessing of Jacob, blessing of Pharaoh, and the blessing of God, and thus the blessing of Joseph himself to his brothers. So in the first part, the blessing of of Jacob. He actually gets, I'm sorry, of the blessing of Jacob. He gets his blessing starting at verse 22. But I'm going to compare them to the others. His brother Judah is the only one that gets an equally large blessing. Judah is the one who initiates the return. He is the one who confesses he is his sin. He is the one who gets the group 
to understand that they have transgressed and they have sinned. And that is why they were in the position they were in when they were standing before Joseph and didn't know that he was the ruler they were standing before. But also this speaks of the great grace of God because God would use this mess of a man, Judah, to bring about the Messiah. And God in that tells us that even in our mess, he can make something majestic out of it. Not because of us, but because of him. And that's a reminder to us that even if you have erred and you have messed up like Judah, God can. There's no guarantee it'll happen, so don't bank on that. Don't presume on God's mercy. I'm going to live the way I want because God's going to bless me like Judah. Mm, he may bless you like Reuben that you're just about to hear. Judah received God's grace according to God's measure, not according to Judah's, and used him in spite of himself. But let me read Joseph's. Verse 22, all the way down to 26. <clears throat> Joseph is a fruitful bow, bow, a fruitful bow by a spring. His branches run over the wall. The archers bitterly attacked him, shot at him, and harassed him severely. Yet his bow remained unmoved. His arms were made agile by the hands of the mighty one of Jacob. From there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. By the God of your father who will help you, by the Almighty who will bless you, just to let you know, in that phrase, we get, the, um, we get one of the names of God. He combines them together, Elohim, but El and Shaddai come together right in these verses. By the God of your Father who will help you, by the Almighty who will bless you with blessings of heaven above, blessings of, of, of the deep that crouches beneath, blessings of the breasts and of the womb. The blessings of your father are mighty beyond the blessings of my parents. Up to the bounties of the everlasting hills, may they be on the head of Joseph and on the brow of him who was set apart from his brothers. That word blessing is mentioned about five times in those string of verses. <clears throat> Nowhere else does any one of his brothers get that. Jacob realizes and blesses the son who has remained obedient and faithful to God even in the face of being attacked, of being harassed, of being shot at. See, the blessed life doesn't guarantee that there won't be hardness or, or I should say difficulty, that you won't be attacked that you won't be harassed, that you won't be shot at, that you won't be undermined. We need to stop believing that. I know we like to, we like to post and we like to tell folks when we are blessed with things that we enjoy. But God wants you and I both to understand you are blessed 
when you wake up and it doesn't feel or go good. If you have committed your way to the Lord, you are blessed when you're sitting in the hospital room and they're trying to figure out what's going on with you. You are blessed when you lose the job, not just when you gain the one you wanted. You are blessed when the family acts crazy, not just when everyone is acting well. You are blessed when everything seems to go wrong and you desire it to go right because the blessings is not dependent on just you. It's dependent on the Almighty and the God who you serve and are obedient towards. Let's compare that. Let's look at Reuben's blessing. I had to read this. I was like, I actually said, is this really a blessing? Verse 3, Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might, and the first fruits of my strength. I'm like, yeah. Preeminent in dignity and preeminent in power. I'm like, Reuben is feeling good. I would too. Unstable as water. Hmm. You ever tried to stand, lean on, sit on water? Unstable. You ever tried to box in the unstable as water? You shall not have preeminence because you went up to your father's bed, then you defiled it. He went up to my couch, and there's an exclamation point. Let's compare them to Simeon and Levi. Verse 5 Simeon and Levi are brothers, weapons of violence are their swords. Let my soul come not into their counsel. In other words, he says, let me not ask them for help in anything. Let me not seek counsel from them. Oh, my glory, be not joined to their company, for in their anger they killed men. Remember, they went and had revenge for their sister that was raped by killing a whole village. And in their willfulness, they hamstrung oxen. Cursed be their anger, for it is fierce, and their wrath, for it is cruel. Jacob is telling their sons what will happen, and what he's also done is told what has happened. They've made some choices in life that are costly. And yet, can I still remind you, they are sons of Jacob. See, just because you're a child of God doesn't mean you can't be disciplined in a harsh way. You're still a child of God. What do Hebrews tell us? God disciplines those he loves. And these sons were being disciplined, but it's still a blessing. Why? Because they are sons. They're in the family. And for you and I, understand, sometimes God may have to discipline us like Reuben, Simeon, and Levi. What we prefer is to hear the words that were given to Joseph. Why? Joseph chose to endure. Joseph chose 
to stay faithful. Was he tempted? Several times. Let's talk about the time after he was thrown in prison. I mean, after he was thrown into the pit and then sold into slavery, he could have said, forget all of you, family, God, everyone, I'm out. I've done nothing wrong, and yet look at what's happened to me. How many people in our world have given up on God? I've read some of the stories of people that have done that. They have walked away from their faith because God has not done in their life what they desired or what happened was so hurtful that they have said, I can't walk with God. That's a choice. That's a choice. Joseph made a choice that he was not going to turn bitter. And so he served. And then he was tempted again by his master's wife. No one would have known, so he thought. But he said, how could I do this to God and to my master? Integrity. Integrity in the darkness. Not integrity when things are going well. That speaks to us. A life well lived, there are blessings that happen. It didn't happen right then. There wasn't anything good in his feelings that, that, that was happening at that time when it was happening. So then, she accuses him of attempted rape. He goes further down, and we know the story. He now sits with the two guys. He gives them the interpretation of their dreams. They happen. The one who dies can't help him. The one who is still alive can, but forgets him. I could have gotten bitter then. Okay, God, I, I'm, I just can't. You, you, you and I have no idea what you're doing, but I'm done. I've tried with you. And you just keep sending me down. And yet he remained faithful. And so when he was elevated, there were no regrets. Let me ask you, I ask myself this too. When God chooses to elevate out of whatever situation you're in right now, will there be regrets? Oh God, I'm sorry I didn't. I didn't trust you. Man, I should have known that you can rectify however you want. Oh, it may not have turned out exactly how you want, but you see yourself coming out. Or you see the hand of God at work. Will there be regrets? See, Joseph could say, at least for his final decisions, I don't know what his day-to-day -day emotions were like. I don't know how he felt along the way. I don't know if he had to go back and apologize to the Lord because he said some things under his breath that he was like, God, I'm sorry. But his actions in it demonstrated that he was going to trust God regardless. And he did. And so when he comes out, he could see the blessing. That's why you get the statement, God sent me ahead of you to set up, in essence, salvation. How do you say that when you've been wronged on so many levels? God sent me when you are living a life well. And so that's the blessings of Jacob. 
the blessings of Pharaoh. Jacob dies. Joseph is, is, is hurt. He is grieved. He loved his father greatly, even though he missed over 20 years of his life with his father. He, he has this opportunity to see him before he dies, and now he misses him. It says, if you read the text, that he fell on him, that he hugged him, and he kissed him. His lifeless body. But then he wants to honor his father's commands and bury him in Canaan, where both Abraham and Isaac are buried, and doesn't know how the Egyptians would feel about him not wanting to honor and to bury his father there in Egypt. And so he gets help, and Pharaoh responds greatly. Starting at verse 1. I'm sorry, um, at verse 4. Let me back up. I'm going to read from verse 1, guys. Let me give you time to get there. I'm sorry. Verse 1. Then Joseph fell on his father's face and wept over him and kissed him. And Joseph commanded his servants, the physicians, to embalm his father. And understand embalming was not typical in Jewish customs. And so his father was really treated like Egyptian royalty. So the physicians embalmed Israel. Forty days were required for it, for that is how many are required for embalming. And the Egyptians wept for him 70 days. Not the household of Jacob, the Egyptians. See, Joseph's integrity and status in life caused others to be in support of him, even though they didn't believe what he believed. Even though this was a land that did not trust the God he trusted, they wept with him. And so he goes before him, and in verse 5, He says, my father made me swear, saying, I'm about to die in my tomb that I hewed out for myself in the land of Canaan. There, sh there shall you bury me. Now, therefore, let me please go up and bury my father. Then I will return. And Pharaoh answered, go up and bury your father as he made you swear. And here's where it gets I mind blown. So Joseph went up to bury his father. With him went all the servants of Pharaoh, the elders of his household, and all the elders of the land of Egypt. This was a huge entourage. This is almost a funeral that you would have had for Pharaoh. As well as all the household of Joseph, his brothers and his father's household, only their children, their flocks, and their herds were left in the land of Goshen. And there went up with him both chariots and horsemen. It was a very great company. See, when you live according to God well, it can have such an influence on the world around you. Oh, they may not always come out in support of you like this, but it shows the effect 
that Joseph had on his surroundings, that Pharaoh would not only say, yes, go and bury your dad, but I'm going to send all the royalty. I'm going to send all these people with you. Grieved with him. Made the journey and then came back. The influence your life can have on the world is unimaginable when you live well for Christ. Oh, you may not have an entourage at your funeral, but you would have had great influence. I've been at funeral for two women in my life and have seen the entourage because of the way they lived for Christ. Uh, we, we all have been at several funerals, and I remember the one of my grandmother, strong, my mother's mom, my maternal grandmother. And as is the custom in rural North Carolina and probably in other places that you know as well, that you met at the house and had the procession to the church. And so we met at the house, and as we processed over to this country church, they had to have a police escort because the line was over a mile long. And I knew what they said about my grandmother, and the biggest thing was the godly woman that she was, the caring person, the woman who stood for Christ. You couldn't, you couldn't knock her off. The only other time I saw that was when my mother passed away. And the church, we couldn't have it at our church because our church was a, was a church about half the size of this building, churches I was in at the time. And um, we couldn't, and so we had a church that sat probably double, if not triple, this amount, and they couldn't fit everyone in. And it was the same. People, people wanted to see and to honor and respect. See, when you live for God, the influence goes on for generations. And it influences more than you will ever know. The blessings of Pharaoh. Then it was the blessings of God. So after they were buried, his brothers, his brothers still amaze me. I'm just like, these dudes are so worried. Part of it is because that's probably how they would be. <clears throat> Go to verse 15. His brothers are now afraid because they think the only reason why Joseph hasn't, you know, lashed out at them in bitterness be, is because their dad was alive and he wanted to honor their dad and he thought dad is dead. Yo, we in trouble. Y'all, we, he, hey, he can come back because that's probably what they would have done. And we see in verse 15, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father, <laughs> not our father, your father. You know how when you, you get to that point and you say to the other parent in the household, your son, you know, that's your son. You know, that's your daughter. Your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, please forgive the transgression." The, I'm sorry, the transgression of your brothers 
and their sin because they did evil to you. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. Let me stop there. This is what's noted as the first time that at least is recorded that the brothers totally confessed and admitted to their sin on how they treated Joseph. Okay, it was fear generated, but that's okay. How many confessions has the Lord got out of you out of fear? I put myself in that group. There were plenty of confessions out of fear. Fear of death, fear of life in a particular way, fear of people, me realizing how or, or partially, I don't think we ever fully realize how bad something is that we've done. But that fear drive you. So, so let's not throw the brothers under the bus for being afraid and thus confessing. Because truth be told, we're in that same bus. And so they said, please forgive us. And Joseph's response is interesting. He weeps. He doesn't laugh. He's crying because he's just, number one, they just admitted to their sin. There's a couple of things that happen with that. Now, now they're, they're free. See, when you hold on to your sin, when you hide it, when you refuse to confess it, you're in bondage. You continue to be in bondage. The moment you confess it, the moment you bring it to the people that you've hurt and harmed, the moment you come seeking forgiveness, whether they give it, grant it or not, you are free. I've told folk, listen, you can go and confess your sin and ask for forgiveness. You may not get it from them. That may hurt, but it's okay. You're free. And so now Joseph weeps. But this is the blessing of Joseph. I'm going to end there today. The blessing of Joseph. I'm sorry, the blessing of God. And then the blessing of Joseph all in one. The blessing of God, he says, as they ask for forgiveness, verse 19, but Joseph, I'm sorry, um, verse 18. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me. So he spoke the truth. There wasn't anything wrong about what Joseph said. The blessing is to state the truth, regardless of how hard it is to state it. What you did, I know you meant evil. We use this verse a lot. Sometimes I don't think we fully understand. He said, but God. But God meant it for good to bring about that many should be kept alive as they are today. Then he says, so do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. How could Joseph at the end, when he had every opportunity 
to respond out of anger, revenge, out of bitterness. I lost 20 years messing with you. Y'all took away some of the best years of my life. I couldn't be with my dad for 20 years messing with y'all. You meant it for evil, and it could have stopped right there. And I'm about to mean it for all evil. It could have stopped. But Joseph said, but God. Why? Because he kept but Godding all along the way. See, he didn't just start but God right here. Some of us want to say but God in the hardest point of our trial and have never said but God as it progressed. So how do you think you're going to say but God when it is difficult, when you could be bitter, when along the way you haven't? trusted in God. Because he trusted in God all along the way, he got here and I said, I can still trust God, y'all. But here's what I like too. When, here's for us, here's why, here's how we can give blessings to others. When people mean evil against you as a child of God, understand God is at the same time meaning it for good in your life. You say, well, I don't see how you're not God. I don't see how either. And sometimes I'll stand looking at some of the situations that you're facing. I'm baffled, and I go before the Lord, and I'll say, Lord, I have no idea how this helps them or blesses them, but you do. So I'm going to trust in you. That has been some of my prayers for y'all as I've prayed, and, and, and you have gone through things in your lives. God, I don't understand, but I don't need to. I'm not you. Here's what I do know, God. It's not because you aren't sovereign that you are out of control or that you don't love them. And so, he can say to them, you meant it for evil. But right along when people are meaning things for evil, please believe and understand God is working for your good, child of God. Now, if you're not in the family, I can't say that for you. His mercy could be at work in your life to lead you to him. But when you are outside of Christ, it might be evil for you too because the wrath of God still exists and can be over your life, although that can change as he is calling you to himself. And so he says to you and I, Yes, it hurts. Yes, it changes sometimes. Yes, you don't know what's going on, but he said, understand when people are working in evil against you, I, God is saying, am working for good in your life. And I will save others as a result of it. And many times we don't see that as the blessing. He said, God was doing this so that many would be kept alive, as you see. And he could point to all of Egypt. Because it wasn't just his family that was kept alive. But then he says, not only that, I will provide. I'm in a position to bless you now. 
and I will. And I will. Some of you, actually all of you, one day will be in a position to bless those who might have hurt you. It doesn't mean that you give in and cave in to what they want. No, no, no. I'm talking about blessing them in the way that God has given you opportunity to do. You bless them. It doesn't mean you condone their sin. He didn't. He said you meant it for evil. He spoke the truth. But then he turns around and says, I'll provide for you and your little ones. You don't have to worry. He says, then he comforted them. It's going to be okay. And he spoke kindly to them. Remember, in the beginning, before he was captured, the scripture says that his brothers could not speak kindly to him. Those were the words used. At the end, we see it reversed. Joseph speaks kindly to them. Why? Because in a life well lived, you bless others even when they are evil. And so the blessing of God leads into the blessing of Joseph. Next week we're going to pick up of how he finished well. And there are some points that throughout this study that I want us to remember about this blessing, this blessed life, this journey of life that will bring pain. Child of God, you will go through difficult times. You will. But understand that God is working for your good. Jesus said it like this when he was speaking to his disciples. He said, in this world, you will have tribulation. That was a promise. Jesus himself said that. But he didn't put a period on that statement. He said, but, I love that. In this world, you will have tribulation, but take heart, be encouraged, don't lose heart. I have overcome the world. See, here's what he didn't say, but take heart, I ain't going to let you go through it. He didn't say that. He could have. But take heart. They're not going to be able to mess with you. You a king's kid. No, look at what he said. The world, in essence, has nothing on me. Why? Because I've already overcome it. So anything that they do, I'm allowing. See, understand that when you have your foot on your enemy's neck, anything that they do, you're allowing. Anything. When you have him in, in, in a hold, anything that they do, you're allowing. Wow, because you've overcome them. When you've overcome someone, you are in complete control. And so when Jesus said, take heart, he is saying, don't let the tribulation that you will face cause you to lose heart or quit as a believer. He says, instead, take heart. Don't lose heart. I've overcome. And what if I overcome? The world that is causing the tribulation. So for you and I, we have hope. We can have a life well lived. 
The blessings of a life well lived is a life of obedience. It doesn't mean it won't hurt. It doesn't mean it won't be confusing. It doesn't even mean you won't lose some things. It means that God is directing your life. You've been listening to the Solid Word Bible Church podcast, and we trust that you've been blessed. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit our website at solidword.org. Thank you for joining us today, and we'll see you next week.